myself again. Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It's Monday night, it's ladies' night, and we've got Sav, Kendall and Samantha. Good evening, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. Katie's got phone issues, uh, so she won't be joining us tonight, unfortunately, but uh, we'll hope she's tuning in. Um, plenty to talk about. Transfer deadline day. Uh, no Jim White on this show. No red naps. Um, unfortunately, just us, and just as well, really, because there's not a great deal to talk about with regards to transfers. Uh, Newcastle obviously only making the much publicised uh, signing today of a youngster who will be going straight into the under 23s, Rodrigo Vilca. A lot being talked about, uh, Rodrigo, obviously Peruvian, following in the footsteps of the great Nobby Solano, and Newcastle have uh, signed him up on a four year deal. Other than that, it doesn't look as if we're going to be making any more moves in the transfer market. Keith Downey from Sky tweeted earlier that uh, that's it. Business done for this transfer window. Happy with what they've got. Um, in a nutshell, uh, the concerns that we all had as supporters about um, having players available up front in case there was injuries doesn't seem to be bothering Steve Bruce and uh, his, his team. And obviously, worries that we have at centre-half as well. Uh, he's tended to bat that off with, we've got players coming back. So, you know, I suppose, is it a good transfer window is the, the question I'm going to put out to the fans who uh, text in. And it's going to be the first question that I ask the ladies. So, Sav, uh, good transfer window? You know, I think we've made some good signings. But like, I think, you know, obviously the climax of signing, you know, Callum Wilson... And Ryan Fraser both in the same day. Everyone was really happy with that. And then it just fell flat and nothing else has been done since. I mean, I know when Mike Ashley's in charge, you can't get greedy. But there are other areas where we needed to improve and it hasn't been done. Um, and like you said, you know, we've got, you can't have a team that's based around sort of individual sort of brilliance of the players. You need to have a collective team. So if something happens to St Maximum or Callum Wilson, then we're going to have a completely different team to what we sent out on Saturday. And that's my concern. I do know, I just think we could have done more. You know, we've been probably lucky considering, you know, we've got Mike Ashley, but we could have done more. Yeah, I agree. I think we could have we could have done a lot more, but uh, beggars can't be choosers. We've got we've got a we've got a goal scorer, and we'll come to where the weekend's game a little bit later. We've got somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net. That was very very important. This window, Kendall, uh, has it been a good uh, transfer window in your mind? It, don't get us on the signings we've made have been good. They've obviously Callum Wilson in particular has massively improved the team. Obviously, we needed a goal scorer. But for me personally, I, I feel like they should have taken up the options that they had of two loanee spaces available. I think they should have taken those options up. Um, I know obviously, apparently, Ruben Loftus-Cheek wasn't interested in a move to the northeast, so that's fair enough. But then I feel like we haven't obviously tried to do anything else on top of that. We should have gone in for a loan for um, a central defender, absolutely massively, um, and probably attack a midfielder as well because... You know, we missed out on Ross Barkley, which I was absolutely gutted about because I feel like he would have just been perfect in what we, the fans and everything, feel like we need. Um, so, sorry, I just seen that comment and it's But yeah, so I feel like we should have maybe taken up those options, but unfortunately it doesn't look like we're going to do any more business. So, but other than that, the signings we've got, yeah, great, amazing, fantastic, but... We're like a Callum Wilson and a St. Maximum away now from back to square one. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I don't think we'll do anything else now, unfortunately. Samantha, uh, your view on the transfer window for Newcastle United this time round? Yeah, I think it was a good window up until the season started. You know, we got a couple of players in that we needed. I said it on Twitter, we had gaping holes in our squad that needed to be filled and we filled them. But then when the season starts and you realise we still have a lack of quality in certain areas, then you need to you need to find players. And it's either the players didn't want to come or, you know, if Bruce is saying I'll bring someone in that will improve us and he's not found that, well, then either he's lying or he's blind because there, there are still issues within the squad. People can talk about us having five or six centre-backs. You know, they, they've Apart from Fernandez, they've barely played a full season. There are niggling injuries there. And the only person that we really 
saw that that had an impact on was Lejeune, who went out to Spain, which is fine, fair enough. I hope it's good for him. But we don't know. Lascelles has ankle injuries, hamstring. Clark has barely come back before he's went out again. Char, um, actually, I think he played well at the weekend. But, I mean, his shoulder might be gone again. Is he reliable? I, I just think that we're rolling the dice again when we didn't need to. Um, and it's worrying that he wants to keep his two loans for January because who knows where we're going to be come January. You know, I, I'd like to think we'll still be in around mid-table, but we don't know. So, you know, we were supposed to sign a midfielder in January last year for £35 million. Decided not to. Kept the money. COVID hit. Money's gone. Why, why do we take these risks? I mean, we've got a few hours to go. Um, probably three on the dot, I think, more or less now. It's... Uh... ASM obviously still here. Miggy still here. Sav um, players, which you know undoubtedly cause a, a threat to the opposition. Um, should we still be concerned that they there might be a last minute bid for one of those or both of those players? Um, I'm hoping not. I, you know, it would be sod's law, but I'm really hoping not. The one that I did see flying about was um, De Braca. Um, mm. The there was interest in him, and I'd be quite upset if he went. You know, at the last minute. Um, along with sort of Miggy and St Max, it's it is quite concerning. I'm just hoping that nothing moves, you know, between now and when it closes. Yeah, okay, Kendall. I mean, it's uh, it, it is a blessing. I mean, somebody's just made the point that we haven't lost Alan St Maximum in particular. Um, has that been a concern for you, or have you always felt, you know, safe, you know, that he would probably stay in this window? Well, the good thing about St Maximum is that. I'm under the impression that there's not a buyout clause in his contract, um, which means that obviously the the ball's in our path basically in that in terms of you know you can't a club can't just come in and say right there's his buyout clause that's what we want, um so yeah but obviously there always is the worry that your best players are going to go and then you, you're just going to be back to square one again, and there was obviously a lot a lot of um you know rumours surrounding Miggy at the beginning of the season going to like Atletico Madrid for example. Um, obviously, we managed to keep him as well. I was always pretty much told by, um, you know, Roberto Rojas, who originally broke the Miggy story, that that was pretty much not happening anyway. Um, so, luckily, we managed to keep them, and that's good for us. But, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen right now. And to be quite fair, it's players that we obviously need to get rid of that aren't really in demand, such as Atsu, Saivier, uh Lazar, Aaron's, things like that. So, I mean, I know Atsu's looking to go out on loan or maybe a permanent deal to Watford. So, hopefully that comes off. But, I mean, it's a bit late now. At the end of the day, there's nothing we can really do, even if he does go. So, it would just I think that's what they were just waiting for, offloading a couple of players, but obviously it hasn't happened. So... Yeah, no news on that too, Samantha. I mean, that was one that looked possible that we we're going to get out the door. But um, there is loans as well, which can be organised. You know, after you know, after this uh, after this transfer deadline day ends, obviously to, to different divisions, etc. But um, are you just pleased that Alison Maximum is still a Newcastle player? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's the difference. Him and Wilson, uh, you know, will get on to the match on Saturday, but. Their link-up play for only being in the squad together X amount of weeks is fantastic. Um, I'm a bit nervous about Almiron. Um, don't know whether that's just me, but I don't understand why he's not playing. I don't understand how he's not in the system. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't want to get individual in the debate, but you, know, you, you want goals and assists to be coming from your forward players and Miggy has that in his locker um so i don't think uh, st maximum will go i think you know we'll have him for this year at least hopefully you know there's a bit of positive news around the club um the players that need to leave we can't we can't offer them to anybody to take up you know i heard that yedlin had offers and either the club turned them down or he turned them down and you know, I, I would probably be a little bit more cutting edge than Bruce and be like, you're not going to be in the squad unless you find yourself a club. He's done it for a couple of them, but not all of them. Um, and I think, you know, if you really want someone out of your club, you need to be a little bit more cutthroat. And I would like to hope that, you know, the club are looking at paying some of these guys off um, so that they're not in and around the club having an impact. 
Um, in terms of loans after today, first of all, I think the windows are shambles. I don't particularly understand it. Um, but also, I think the club have made their mark. And unless there is an injury, I don't think they're going to do anything. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think um, looking at the whole transfer window in general, from my perspective, I'm just delighted we've got a, a goal scorer in. Um, really pleased with with Wilson. I think uh, 20 million's a snip for him. I think there'll be a few of the uh, bigger teams uh, wishing that they'd took the gamble and, and, and got in for him before Newcastle. But uh, yeah, good signing. I think Fraser will come good. Uh, gives us a little bit of a, an option on the bench at the moment, but I'm hoping that he'll become a, a permanent fixture in the team as well. I think Vilka, who signed today, could could end up being like Perez. I mean, Perez got thrown in at the deep end. He's a creative player. They'll want to see what he's like in the 23s, but don't be surprised if you see him getting fast-tracked if he's good enough, because that's what happened with Perez, and he never looked back. And obviously, we, uh, you know, we made a handsome profit on uh, Perez when we sold him, hopefully. Uh, we will be in a position where we won't be a selling club moving forward and uh, somebody like Vilka will have the opportunity to, to progress and uh, stay for a, a long time in a Newcastle shirt and, and do as well as Nobby did. Uh, let's look back at the game at the weekend, Sav. Um, for me, it was unexpected, I've got to be honest, even up to when I saw the team announced and I saw that Shelby was in, you know, judging by the way Shelby played midweek and, uh, you know, seeing Kraft in the back four, it never really fills us with confidence. But to be honest, that was a, you know, a pretty good display by Newcastle at the weekend and probably a lot of it down to St Maximin. It definitely gave us a completely different, um, you know, different attacking option. Joe Linton, I thought, played well, but... Overall, you know, Callum Wilson was the difference as well, you know, with, with his penalty, but obviously, uh, uh, you know, being in the right place at the right time for that great ball in from St Maximin. Yeah, I thought what we actually played really well. I mean, I've seen a few comments flying about, obviously, you know, Burnley are injury struck at the moment um, and, you know, it, they were sort of mediocre and, you know, we just got lucky. But at the end of the day, you've got to look at Burnley and you've got to think they're a team that, you know, finished 10 points ahead of us last season. And to go out there and beat them 3-1 was actually quite good for us, considering how we can play. And I thought that, you know, the link-up play was better. Golington, I'm quite glad that he's still, he's not, you know, amazing, but he's still improving. And he's, you know, he's in a better position this season. St Maximum, you know, he just made everything, which was quite, surprised me a little bit. Because the last few games that he'd played, he was a bit off. And I thought, you know, maybe he's not, I thought maybe he's up, you know, thinking about moving or something like that was sort of crossing my mind. But he was brilliant. Um, yeah, I thought that the flow was a lot better and I'm just hoping that it will improve. I mean, obviously, we've got Man United when we come back, um, but then they played terribly yesterday. So let's hope that that's given them, you know, a bit of a confidence knock and, you know, we can come <laughs> in and carry on. <laughs> Yeah, hope so. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll come to those games uh, a little bit later. Bizarre, bizarre game of football uh, yesterday. Darren Baldwin Funerals, big shout out to you. Thanks for uh, sponsoring the show uh, this month. And a big shout out to qtechshop.co.uk for doing the same. Uh, Kendall, your view on the game um, at the weekend. It was a, it was a great win. Just uh, great to see Newcastle getting the three points. And, you know, it was a comprehensive win, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. It was de definitely convincing. Um, it was a lot better than obviously we've seen. But Burnley always do this. They always have a dodgy, like shaky start to the season, and they end up finding their way and getting better. So I'm glad you know we've had a chance to have them early on in the season because later on it probably maybe would have been a different story. But um, yeah, it was nice to see Joe Linton come back into himself. I mean, I know at the end of the day he's not a world beater yet, but he's going somewhere to justify his price tag at the moment, and that's all we ask for. All we ask for that is is that he's involved, that he tries, that he gets in the game, which is what he's doing lately, and that's fab. Like, hopefully he's found, you know, he's he's calling in that position, um, more wide rather than uh, number nine up front. Um, Wilson again was fantastic. People are going to say that I've got ulterior motives for saying that, but no, like genuinely, he's improved us so so much, and it's he's one of the better strikers that we've seen in a long, long time for us. So, um, it was nice to see him back on form again. Hendrick looked a little bit playing wider, he looked slightly wasted. I mean, I've seen a couple of people saying he had a poor game. I don't think he had a poor game by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he didn't look as confident as he does centrally. So what they're going to do there, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, I think 
I mean, as well, an unsung hero for me was Kraft. I think he had a really, really decent game um, on Saturday. And it was nice to see because I know, I, me included, I've been quite critical of him in the past and I don't like him necessarily in that position over Mankey or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's nice to see him have a really good game. Um, and Darlow again pulled off some great saves. So it was good all round for us for once on Saturday. So let's just hope the international break doesn't ruin it and we keep on and training goes well and we can keep Man keep Man United down there and do maybe get a result against them. But I've said that now, so we probably won't. <laughs> 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 Samantha, your, your view on the game at the weekend? Yeah, I think um, it was a good result. Uh, we had a good plan. Burnley's defence was shocking. We pressured them. We had a real plan to split the centre-backs. We wanted to exploit the, the space between um, Bardsley and the centre-back. Like, he really knew what he wanted the team to do. And I think, you know, I, I put it out on Twitter just before St Maximum scored the first goal. He needed to swap with Jolinton because the way that Wilson was was bullying them and pulling them off to the side, there was real room for St Maximum. Um and the second goal was, you know, the, the second goal that Wilson scored was like reminiscent of the entertainers. I just thought it was one of the best goals that we've scored in a while. You know, St Maximum getting down the right, putting that ball into the back post and, and Wilson attacking it. We haven't had that in so long. Um, it worries you that you kind of are relying on those players. Um, but I thought it was really good. Hendricks is kind of wasted uh, on the right not his natural position and I think if he's going to be bringing Fraser in or Elmir on um, that's where we're going to have an issue with Shelby. Uh, I think we're being quite protective on that side especially with Kraft and Mankiw. Um, but as long as all we wanted Bruce to do was play on the front foot, attack a little bit, push the uh, team forward and make sure that you know we weren't constantly trying to play from too deep and he did it. The proof in the pudding will be, is he going to try something expansive against Man United? Because we all watched it yesterday. Absolute shambles. Even Liverpool, when Trent Alexander was targeted, really struggled. So if you go in with the right plan, you can get a result. I just want them to be positive. And I think I had more of an idea of what he was trying to do on Saturday compared to the rest of the games this season. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, really. Um, you know, the, the the formation in particular. Just picking you up on that point, Samantha, about Hendrick. He's uh, you know, coming for a little bit of criticism on social media, but the guy's not getting played in his natural position, and it's because ultimately Bruce. I don't think he's brave enough to make the decision. He's trying to be everybody's mate. I think yeah. I think we're starting to get we're trying to get we're starting to get the understanding of Steve Bruce. He's um he's a good man manager. You know, he, he puts his arm around people, but we saw in the penalty shootout in midweek that he, he's not he's not a motivator. He's not somebody who's getting involved. Steve Agnew was left to sort the penalty takers out. So I get the feeling that he's trying to keep everybody happy. And that doesn't work if you're playing players out of position. And you're right. Hendrick's not getting the opportunity, is he really, uh, to show what he can do? No, he's not. And, you know, if we're going to play 4-4-2 or whatever variation that is with the, the players swapping, um. Hendrick's not going to stay on the right. You know, we've got Fraser, we've got Almira on. If he wants to play wing play, then he can't play Hendricks there, which means he's got a decision to make. And that decision uh -huh. for me is Shelby because he is not protective enough. And you don't need his long balls to play wing play because you want your wingers to pick the ball up and run. So, you know, that the proof in the pudding is going to be when Almiron and Fraser really start knocking on the door and saying, when am I going to play unless he changes formation? Um, Hendrick can't stay on the right. He didn't want to play on the right when he signed. And as I said, it's a good protective option while we kind of get a little bit closer. Um, but that, that can't be the way that it stays. Yeah, Jack McGrubbin agrees. Henrik out wide over. Miggy baffles me. He says, uh, "Yeah, uh, Terry, you, you must have read me mind, mate, because I was going to start. I was going to start talking about Joe Linton. Uh, so I want to give Joe Linton the benefit of the doubt, but enough is enough. His first touch for pro is shocking. Drop him now, Terry. I'm going to." book the trend here and uh, as you know I've been you know set on giving Joe Linton 10 games to prove himself and I, I've got to be honest uh, somebody mentioned a comment a little a little bit earlier um you know he is playing better uh, for me and 
the problem is he was probably playing at one out of ten last year, not two out of ten, one out of ten. Now he seems to have, you know, upped his game. He's playing around about six out of ten. Sav, for me, I, you know, I've been I've been pleased. At least he's putting himself about. He's picked up a couple of boogans because he's he's actually trying to win the ball back. He's laying the ball off. He's he's just doing the simple stuff, which he wasn't doing any of that last season. I, I don't know what you think, but you know, is there is the signs of life in Joe Linton now? You know, I've been really critical of him in the past, and to be fair, I stopped when I saw the bullying he was getting over on social media because I thought enough was enough with it. Um, because you know, why would you want to turn up and put in a shift when you know that all the fans, you know, despise you? I felt for him when he missed that penalty last week. I mean, imagine the nerves going second and then missing. And then, you know, everyone else put it away. You know, you can only imagine how that felt, you know, knowing the sort of bad press that he's had surrounding his performance, you know, with the 40 million price tag. I actually think, you know, on the pitch, he has improved. And he's, you know, out wide, he's put in some good runs. I thought he's been quite solid. He's not been the player that we saw last season um, that was sort of, you know, just struggling, a liability to have on the pitch. He's, for me, he has improved. And, you know, I hope that it's a stepping stone that he will keep improving. He's, there's obviously some confidence has got into him. You know, I think it's the change of position, to be fair. Um, but, you know, I don't think he's been that... I think, think he's, you know, been quite good this season for what he could be, for, well, in comparison to last season. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Sav. I think um, there's definitely been a change of attitude as well, you know. But, uh, you know, Bruce has put his arm around him. He's given him a chance. He's continued to play him. And, you know, he's had a year here where he's, he's probably learned, you know, he's, he's learned something. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a change of position. Kendall, I mean, is it... Is it is it more of his natural role? You know, he was probably under too much pressure. He had to score goals last season. But, you know, now that he's got an intelligent footballer alongside him who can score goals, it's probably maybe he's helping him make a look, making him look a little bit better. Yeah, the problem is with Joel Linton. So, obviously, when we signed him, the price tag was already came with a million more expectations um, than usual. We signed him stupidly. People at the helm who were in charge of signing signed him for a role that he was not meant for because we didn't have a consistently fit striker at the time obviously we only had like carol and um gail at the time so they signed him for a role that he wasn't already made for because i mean at hoffenheim he was a wide player um it wrote like sort of rolling into a false number 10 like number 10 sort of role ish um and then so that just already set him off with massive loss of confidence because he was in a role that he wasn't used to the pressure was on him with the number nine shirt we didn't really have anyone at the time because we didn't have obviously say at maximum etc when we signed him originally um to give him a decent ball forward apart from shelby and shelby wasn't necessarily consistently starting so it was a struggle from from the off so now because that pressure's been lifted he knows he's got decent players around him he knows he's not consistently there to solely score goals he's not the striker the pressure's been lifted and you can see it absolutely see it straight away um i do completely agree though obviously last year we expected him to be here with the price tag and he was here um and that meant that anything he did better than last season was going to be an improvement um but at the end of the day an improvement's an improvement if he can carry on and the confidence can be instilled a bit further and he knows that where his position's going to be I think then we can't really complain um, and it can go a little bit to improving himself. Um, but I don't think that at all that he's at the top level yet. I really don't. Samantha, Joe uh, Linton is obviously uh, not Malcolm McDonald's favourite player in a black and white shirt. I did try last week to to try and get some kind of positive comment out of Malcolm, but unfortunately it fell on deaf ears. Um, have you changed your, your opinion of him? Is, is, there, is there a sign of a player in there, do you think, now? Yeah, he's working harder. He put himself about. He looks more confident. He, he doesn't look, sorry, he doesn't look like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, which is maybe a bit different to confidence. Um, I haven't changed my chin in terms of whether he should be starting games. Um, and I think, you know, he is working hard. I actually saw a comment that somebody said, Bruce likes to pick car. Carl and Joe Linton to defend set pieces. And I absolutely agree with that. And that's really worrying that you would want a centre forward or one of your attacking players on the pitch to defend set pieces. That aside, um, 
he is doing a role in the team at the minute, which is helping us to find our balance while Bruce kind of figures things out. My issue is that if we get another 10, 10 to 15 games in and he's not contributing assists or goals, then he doesn't deserve to be in the team. Because if he is, for example, keeping Almir on out, then I think that's a travesty. So, I mean, we'll use this season to say he's finding his feet, he's working harder, he's performing better than he was. Does that make him a good player? No. And is it, you know, offering enough to the team in terms of taking the pressure off other players that need to provide assists and goals? That's where we need to be in 10 to 15 games time. It's not about his price tag. It's about your role in the team. And he's not a box-to-box midfielder. He is not a centre-back. You know, so his defensive qualities are admirable, but that's not his role in the team. Um, so, you know, that's that's where I am with Jolinton. I'm not hating him. I really worry, coming back to the point on our transfer business, what happens if Wilson gets injured? He's going to have to play up front. That could absolutely ruin his confidence because Carl, bless him, with the best will in the world, he has legs made of rock. He just can't get up and down the pitch enough. So are we going to be in a position of Bruce's on making where we need to give Wilson a rest or he does pick up a knock and we have to put Jolinton up front and we go down the same path again? So I think that's a consideration too. Um, I hope he does well. It has been nice to see him play with a wee bit more freedom, but that needs to then move to the next level where he is offering more threat and goals and assists. Great stuff, girls. Terry Atkinson says, Steve, when you're starting from such a low base, then he can't do anything other than go up. Fair point. And he says, Joe is still a young kid. He is still developing as a player and we're putting too much expectation on him and want him to be a Ronaldo. We should let him learn and develop. Frankie says, I really hope Joe Linton does come good. I hope, given some time, we eventually see a marked improvement. Either way, he definitely doesn't deserve all the BS he has to deal with on social media. Funko says, the thing is, I think Joe Linton's a bit more like Heskey this season. Not many goals in him, but maybe take defenders away. So this opens up Wilson's game, but it's still early days yet. Ben Shields says Joe Linton should play anchor. He's good at holding the ball up. Uh, Katie, good evening, Katie. She says Carroll would probably score a goal if he didn't spend 80 minutes of the match playing midfield and being the last one in the box. Talking about uh, Andy Carroll, obviously, uh, potentially playing instead of Joe Linton. I just says we need Wilson to start every game. And plenty of comments coming in about Nick DeMarco's tweet. So we'll look at that next. And uh, this was the picture that Nick DeMarco put on Twitter today. Um, you know, basically, uh, if you see in the background there, as well as his probably his very expensive wine rack, he has uh, two bottles of brown ale and uh, some bread. Now, he's been baking that bread, which is what the tweet is about. Uh, a lot of people have been reading into that, that this could have something to do with the takeover. Is uh, is that significant with breaking bread, which is what Mafia Dons do when they're uh, sitting down at a table with each other? Um, I, I don't know. Sav, what do you make of uh, that picture that Nick DeMarco put out? Is it a bit of mischief? Is it something to do with the takeover? Or is it something we should be completely ignoring? No, I think with this takeover, there's been so many sort of conspiracy theories behind everything, you know, with the Rick Astley song, you know, that came on and then there was this tonight and I only saw it actually just before I came on here. Um, But yeah, you can read into that like really well, but then is that just a bit of paranoia that we all do and then we all get really excited and we get let down? Um, It does seem a bit suspicious to me. I would hope, you know, fingers crossed, but I'm not sure whether you can look too much into it or get too excited. I try not to because there's just been so many disappointments behind this takeover that I've just sort of kind of got over that now. I'm not going to be led down the path of, you know, an early celebration anymore. It's Master's Last Supper, says Funko. Um, Anything anything in it, Kendall? I really don't know. I I mean, it just seems odd that you would tweet something like that if there was nothing in it that's just my personal opinion but obviously as we all know i just we don't tend to even delve into takeover discussions now because it's literally just makes you go crazy um i i've just seen someone in the chat there said that like it could be like making dough like money like i just don't know what the deal is i really don't but as i say it just it just seems odd that he's 
done something like that, knowing like the whole high profile case of our club and the takeover and things like that. So I don't know, I don't know why he's done anything like that to feed into that sort of thing, knowing what the fans are like. Um, so maybe there is something behind it. Maybe there isn't. Maybe he just wants to keep, make sure that the fans are still aware that things are going on and you know keeping up to date with stuff. But who knows? We'll I don't think we'll ever know until you know there's an actual official announcement on what's going on. So apparently the bread is eighty ten ten. That's what everyone keeps saying. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know really what. Is it is it some kind of sign? Is it some kind of signal? So many symbols in that picture, like you could link it. I just don't honestly know what you could even say about it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. There is bread and wine and beer. Yeah, there's loads of comments coming in. Bottle of champagne called black and white. The other bottles are Guinness, whose advertising line is everything comes to those who wait. There's a lot of crypto info, uh, cryptic info in there. Um, if it's a coincidence, Samantha, are you reading anything into this? God, I don't need to with all the detectives that we have on Twitter. I mean, I, I look at that picture and I think that looks great for Saturday night. I want some of that. Um, there's obviously a meaning behind it. I haven't read anything into it. Fair play to him for putting it all together and giving Twitter a focus on deadline day. That isn't anything to do with not buying players. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think the bread looks great. So that's pretty much my opinion on it. Yeah, Sean just says he's surprised there's not a <coughs> on the picture somewhere. Of course, as you know, I, I won't say it. I won't say that swear word. Um, yeah, I mean, is the takeover still bubbling away? Yeah, I, 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 it is some in some shape or form. And as uh, you know, I don't think we'll we'll really know what's going on. I just hope it continues to bubble away in the background and we don't hear anything about it because, you know, if we do, we're going to be back on that, that merry-go-round, which, you know, which is an absolute nightmare to be on, you know? Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see, uh, see whether Nick puts any more cryptic tweets out or whether, uh, you know, anyone connected with it does. Um, yesterday, I want to talk about yesterday, not Newcastle United re related, Sav, but, um, what a super Sunday that was. It's not very often you get a super Sunday where, you know, you have so many goals flying in and not just flying in, but flying the net of the champions and, and the team which you would expect to be there or thereabouts, Liverpool and Man United conceding seven and six respectively. What did you make of yesterday's games? They were shocking, weren't they? I mean, I, I wasn't I weren't even going to watch them and I fell asleep at the end of the Arsenal match. I got really bored and I fell asleep. And then I woke up in um, at half time to the Man United match to the Sky Sports people just absolutely raging about it. You know, you could just see how upset they all were, um, you know, behind the fact that they'd conceded so many goals. And then it just got worse and worse. And after that, I was like, you know what, that was quite good. I think I'm going to watch the Villa one as well. And, you know, that didn't disappoint either. It was lovely to see those sorts of, you know, levels of teams, you know, the big six being, you know, absolutely thrashed because you don't really see that that often. Their defence was awful. You know, they looked they looked like, you know, us on a bad day when we stood there all defeated and just can't be bothered anymore. And, you know, that was quite refreshing to see. I don't know what was, I don't know what, you know, 2020 matches or something, but it was it was an odd day. It was a really, you know, I didn't expect it. I would have loved to have put a bet on that, though, because, you know, I'd be quids in right now. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, somebody somewhere will have had that bet on. Uh, probably a Villa fan, but uh, unbelievable <laughs> if they did. Good luck, good luck to them. Yeah, Kendall, strange, strange weekend, really, for football results, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a mad game. Yesterday, Man United looked horrendous, like absolutely really bad, like the worst that I've seen them in a long time. Um, Luke Shaw's challenge, I don't know how he said on the pitch. I, on, Quite honestly, I am so baffled as to why he even did that. Because yeah, it wasn't like they were like, it was 2-1 down. They were literally already losing. I don't know if it was even like 6-1 at that point. But I don't know why he even did that challenge on Lucas Mora. Like, I, <laughs> I watched the video and I'm just like, why? Even Ollie in the background's like, why did you just do that so yeah it was nice it's awful to say because it'll probably be us at one point but like hopefully not but it's nice to see you know the typical winners the champions and um, being shown that it's not you know it's not your divine right to continue the next season after being champions to be as good as you were you have to still you know work at it and Villa look really really good unfortunately 
like for us. And um, very sadly, they look they're looking really strong this year. They've made some decent signings as well. So um, I can only see them capitalising on that and going forward. But it is nice to see Man United being it, you know. Um, respectively 14th I think they're 16th and Man City's 14th or vice versa in the league so yeah if, if, if the season ends like that I'll, it'll be lovely Samantha did you enjoy yesterday's football there was some goals uh, yesterday Villa I, I, I mean I'm not a fan of Villa not many Newcastle fans will, will be but um, just to see them absolutely muller liverpool was was just one of the strangest things i've seen in a long time absolutely i mean uh, two two highlights i had from the united and liverpool game yesterday were in the united game at the end of it um Mourinho patted shulshar in the head and i just yeah. thought that was hilarious and then in the villa game jurgen klopp was just laughing he was laughing when the fifth or sixth goal went in and um I, you know it was just it was like the apocalypse day for football i don't for me you know that's what happens when you have a go i mean it can go one of two ways you can either get absolutely hammered or you can actually get a good result for yourself and football at the minute's not normal football you know people are saying again it's like training matches we're never going to see anything like this again in our lifetime, the way that, you know, the results are. People are joking that it's like when you check CFAX in, I don't know, the 70s or 80s to see these massive scores. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it was just one of those occasions where I was so happy to be able to sit down and watch football. Um, Villa do look good. Um, Spurs looked like world beaters because united were so bad and you know i think all of us have a soft spot for united being absolutely horrendous and their fans crying on twitter because you know their owners are awful even though when Mourinho was manager he spent 300 million yeah it's really sad it breaks my heart um but great day again i would just like to see us have a go a little bit more it's just that season where you you just don't know what's going to happen so just go for it yeah and yeah i agree yeah bit of in, incoming news uh deandre yedlin's going to reevaluate his future in january with his deal expiring next summer so he right. won't be leaving tonight says aaron stokes on twitter um so yeah uh, one one person who will remain on the wage bill uh, for the next few months uh Yano asked a question earlier about Lascelles, Sav. Um, are we better without him? Do you know, I think in a way we are. I've never massively got the hype of Lascelles. Like, I've never kind of got it. And I don't think, no, I think maybe it's because he, you know, he's captain. I don't, you know, I've said this before, I don't see him as a leader. I don't see, I think, you know, I know that it's a bit biased. You know, we've got Shah. I'm not saying I'd have him captain at all. But, you know, you've got Shah there as well. Oh, well, I probably would, but no, I wouldn't. <laughs> but, but, you know, we've got, we've got, you know, players I do think are better than him. Um, and I, but I don't, you know, I have often thought this, is it the stress of the fact that he's captain and I don't see him sort of massively egging anyone on anymore or sort of running around, you know, pepping everyone up, shouting out instruction. I don't feel that we miss him at times. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because I don't massively get him. I've just never been massively hyped on him. Okay. Uh, life goals. We'll come to that in a minute, mate. I'm certainly not doing it. Uh, Samantha, oh, you're getting told off for calling Man. You're, you're, getting, you're getting told off for calling uh, Manchester United United. So you better apologise to that you're watching audience. <laughs> sorry dear sorry folks <laughs> kendall um yeah i mean lascelles would you have him in your team so for me it was like our oh my battery's well sorry <laughs> um for me it's like my fourth choice personally like after fernandez clark and lejeune and then obviously we've let lejeune go so he's just stepped himself up a little bit i mean i would even put Quite frankly, I would even put Shah there and said in front of him now. Um, I just don't think the last seat, the end half of last season, and coming at this season, he's half the player or the leader that he was. And um, for me, we're a lot more loose at the back when he plays. So, 
I feel like we don't play out from the back as much and there's a lot of more of a danger area there when he is involved because he cannot play out from the back, which leads him to, you know, passing backwards or passing along the back line. And then that's when the team intercepts. Um, for me, he's just not at all the leader that he used to be. And I really, unfortunately, do think that it's time to maybe look at moving the captaincy on. I mean, I don't know at what point you can do that in this season. You don't want to humiliate anyone. He's been captain for a couple of years now. But I just don't think that he offers that leadership that everyone was so set on him doing um, the past couple of seasons. He just look, He just. I don't know what's wrong with him at all. He just doesn't look remotely like the Lascelles that most of the fans grew to love. Um, personally, for me, I never thought he was, you know, ready to be called up for England or anything like that. Um, I know a lot of people will massively disagree with me on that, but that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, I really feel like for me, the strongest centre back pairing for me is Fernandez and Clark, um, and that's who personally I would play for. Okay, uh, Lascelles, would he be in your starting eleven, Samantha? Yeah, I think I've spoken about Lascelles <clears throat> on numerous shows. You know, he was. Um, my choice for captain, but exactly what Kendall said for about the last year and a half, he just doesn't seem right. And I don't think, even in the games that him and Fernandez have played together this season, they don't look good. Whereas you put Shar beside Fernandez on Saturday, they look really good together now. They had a really difficult spell just after half time, but, um, you know, it's. Lascelles is the problem for me. It's his mobility. And I, I just, I feel like, I would never have said this before, but I feel like if there was a better, I would let him go. Now, that's not me saying I think the rest of our defence is good. I think we need upgrades. I think Clark is okay. I think he's reliable. Um, I think Shar uh, is good. I think Fernandez is the leader at the back. I do think we could upgrade, you know, a couple of those, but. I wouldn't bring Lascelles back into the team. You know, I think Rich in the comments made a comment about Lascelles being good when he had two ball playing centre backs beside him. Absolutely, because then he was kind of the controller in a flat back four. I, I don't think it's working. Um, and just on the point about you picking on Lascelles, Steve, I, I don't think that you do. I think we've all just noticed a difference in him. He's not commanding, he's not vocal. Um, not that I think anyone is, and if taken the captaincy off him and went to uh, went to Shelby, I would be absolutely against that as well because he's not consistent enough. Um, but I don't yeah. think Lascelles should be back in the team, and I don't know what that means for him in terms of his future with us. Maybe it's time that he moved on, and that's painful to think. But he did some great things for the team, for the club, in difficult situations. But I just don't think it works anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, good points. Gordon Hudsmith, yes, I did see your, your, your point there, mate. Don't forget, I did see at the start of the season, everyone starts with a clean slate, mate. Now I'm just asking a question that somebody's asked. So that wasn't me having a pop at Lascelles. Um, from my perspective, you've seen the comments. A lot of people, you know, would think that he could do with the rest. And he's he's had one and we've just won 3-1. It's up to Steve Bruce the next game to decide what he wants to do. Life Goal says, are any of you doing Fantasy Premier League? Impossible to know which players to pick other than Son, Kane, James and Salah. I went against my judgment and picked a Newcastle player. ASM. Do any of you girls do this? I've never, ever, ever done anything like this. And that, usually because I'm a bad loser on things and, and, and I'm, it's not something I really want to, uh, you know, I want to spend my time doing. But do you do you do one, Sav? Yeah, I do. And I'm terrible at it. Like I had Rashford in my team yesterday. And, you know, I took him off the bench for that. And it's, oh, God, I'd be awful. I mean, I did have, I had um, ASM in my team this weekend who bought me the most points, which shows, you know, my team, I'm just terrible at it. I come, I always look at what number I'm on, four million something and something else. It's, it's, you know, it's shameful. I just, I just do it for fun. I do like it, but I'm not, not very good at it. Okay. Kendall, are you into this uh, fantasy football malarkey? It gives me such irrational rage. Like, it's like it's real. I can't deal with it. It gets my nerves every week. Like, it literally causes me so much anger. I just can't, even worse than, like, actual football. Because, for example, like, Saturday, like, me and Sam were just talking about this this morning, how much rage it gives us. Because Saturday, <laughs> FPL said that 
Alan St. Maximin wasn't fit. So this was, you have to pick your yeah. team by 11 o'clock on the day the matches start. They said he wasn't fit and there was 75% chance of him, like, of him playing. So I thought, well, I'm just going to take him out because obviously he's clearly not fit. And if he is fit, he's going to be on the bench because he's not just going to, Steve Bruce is surely not going to make the mistake of putting him back in again when he's injured. Oh, look at that. What did he do? He came, he was playing, starting, got 12 points. And I was fuming. I was looking like, and he was still orange, like saying that he was injured on the on the FPL. Yeah. And I just was so fuming. Like literally, why, 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 why? I changed my whole team for that particular reason. And then people like who I thought were nailed on, like Trent Alexander-Arnold, got minus one. Well, so what's the point? I, I've transferred Trent Alexander-Arnold out yesterday. I've done it. I'm sick of it. He got us. I got rid of him yesterday and I've put Mings in there instead. So if Mings, if Aston Villa start going downhill and Trent Alexander-Arnold start, oh, I'm deleting it. I'm never going back. See, I, see I'd end up, this is why I don't play. I'd end up smashing my phone. Honestly, I would. get so angry. I'd like, be like this. I'm so sick. You do, you get you get so, so mad. I've already played my wild card, which means I've already done, like, <laughs> made all my transfers that I can make before you get another one in January. So I'm stuffed if I start getting injuries. And I've already played my free hit, which is, like, another where one week of transfers, you can make as many transfers as you want. So I'm stuffed. If my team starts getting injured, I'm just going to delete and I'm never doing it. The rest of my <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> Well, I think we'll probably do a full show on this Kendall's team and and, and what what's and what's going wrong. Like uh, Samantha, she's nearly had a breakdown there, and, and you're you're obviously understanding what she's going through. Yeah, I mean, we had the same as Kendall said the discussion about the rage it causes you. I was in the same position with Alan St. Maximum. It still shows that he's injured and he has twelve points this week. Why? I also took Son out because Son was injured. And like my brother is a Spurs fan and I saw him on the pitch and I texted him. I was like, like, he's supposed to be injured. We talked about it at the weekend. And he was like, yeah, he's not injured anymore. It's like, well, I have two eyes. I mean, I can see that. So yeah, I get the same frustration. I haven't used my wild card yet, but I, I will transfer people. And I think I've changed eight players so far. And I start thinking that I am a world leader, that this is my year my team's going to be fantastic and then i get an average of about 36 points a week and i see people like twitter told me yesterday someone triple captained ollie watkins who does that against <laughs> liverpool i mean so i put him in my team it's not going to happen again but like people that play the game are able to do things like that and kendall you know gets minus one point <laughs> It's a classic, that, like, honestly, I'm so glad I don't do it. I just could do it. It's a stress I could do without. I've got no hair to start with. I don't know what else would start falling out, like. Uh, Fungo Freddy says, stay off the fantasy footy, Steve. If you break your phone, who's stably going to break the takeover news to? <laughs> Gary Goodson says, great show again, lasses. Love hearing your thoughts on the tune. I'm sure the girls are very pleased to get a, a message like that. Um, life goals. I had Salah as a triple captain first week, and that's kept me going. So all of this is Chinese to me. Yeah, it's, I, I, could, I, I really I don't understand any of it. Um, John John says, uh, "Bloody hell! I'm glad I don't do it, causing more problems than the real game." Yeah. <laughs> it's because you Dog have holes. control over it, whereas like you don't have control over them play, like your team playing, but you have control over your fantasy team. So it just gets like worse because then you feel like, "Oh, why did I do that?" <laughs> It's a fun Doug Hall says I've got to get a burner phone from me true crime contacts for Katie next week. I hope you're here and Katie will uh, wink wink nudge nudge will get you a burner phone from somebody. Uh Rian Brannigan says the quality of our set pieces has dropped also Lascelles was a threat in corners when we were well drilled. Uh, just going back to the, the point about Lascelles. This is a question that keeps getting asked on Twitter a lot, Sav. How is Shaw been keeping this week? He's doing well back down in the basement. You know, I missed him when he'd gone back to training and stuff, but you know. It's sad that he's injured again, but, you know, he's happy, he's settled, he's not been trying to break out too much, you know, he's fine. <laughs> and he's and, and he's out taking the dog for a walk, so... Yeah, uh, like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, at least he makes the beds half. Tom Dixon says, uh, do any of yours do the Super 6? I'm doing it, uh, and it's quite interesting, trying to pick the right results. Super 6, now that's the Sky one, isn't it? Mm. Does anybody do yeah, that? they have to pick the six results. 
Right. No. I suppose that's a bit easier. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's, it's still not because you have to pick the results and it has to be exactly. And then if you even if you get one wrong, it's just you're knackered. Like unless unless I think like everyone else who's playing, if it, if no one gets six, I think it goes down to like five. But I'm not sure. I really. Uh, uh, that's another stress I just couldn't deal with on top of fantasy league. <laughs> Oh, Darren's winding you up. Yeah, he has me sitting top of the fantasy football league with Maxi <laughs> Wilson, Kane, Salah, and Vardy. <laughs> Even I understand that. Uh, in the last uh, last ten minutes, uh, international football. Sav, are you interested? Does it float your boat? Is it uh, something you look forward to when uh, the international breaks on? I do look forward to it to an extent. I mean, you know. It depends what it is. I, I do sometimes. Sometimes, well, I will watch it, but you know, it does. There's not mean. There's no Newcastle players in it, so to that extent, it doesn't massively interest me. But I always do watch it. Um, it's the fact that Pickford's in goal just gives me complete rage, um, and I think that just annoys me for the whole game. But I will. I will watch it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I've got to be honest. I'm not a fan of international football. I, I haven't really enjoyed it since the 1990 and 1996 campaigns when obviously England did well. I, I even found the, the the last World Cup where we got to the semi-finals. I mean, I was working a lot of it doing talkings, but I, I'm not really, not really a big fan of it anymore. England's driven us away, and I just think, you know, anybody seems to be able to get a cap. And, and I don't even think the players take it seriously anymore. I think you've seen you've seen today. Obviously, there's going to be more recriminations from you know another birthday party. You know, players who got selected for the squad going out. Gareth Southgate's got an issue now because he's already punished you know a couple of players. Now he's going to have to look at this next you know set of players who've all been out during COVID mixing together. He's, you know. He, it just seems every anyone and everyone can get an England cap. Are you interested in it, Kendall? Is it something which you know you you know international break? Do you sit and watch the England games, or you know you're just strictly a club girl? Well, no, I do watch them, and I watch quite a lot of internationals because I like seeing you know maybe it's like the players that you don't normally watch. So obviously, as pretty much everyone who knows me now knows that I follow Athletic Madrid as well. So I like watching you know the Spanish side like. To see if there's any teams there and but I find England pretty boring to watch to be quite honest with you now as you say I don't think it's taken as seriously anymore as it used to be which goes to show with people breaking rules and stuff in the past you know the young players breaking rules in the past couple of months Um, I think if Gareth Southgate wants to bring that seriousness back and show how like important it is to be picked for your country I think he needs to continue the punishments and not make one rule for one one rule for another um, otherwise, it's just going to continue and people aren't going to continue to take it seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got who've we got Belgium, Denmark, and Wales coming up. So I think Wales, obviously against Wales, it's like an international derby if you want. Um, so maybe that'll be quite interesting to watch. But yeah, England haven't been good or exciting to watch for about seven years now, I want to say. Maybe it's even longer. So it's like watching paint dry. So. It's on in the background, but I don't get excited anymore. <laughs> the whole Kane squaring at a Sterling thing ruined my life. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't take it seriously anymore. Yeah, Sterling, of course, just pulled out of, uh, of the England squad. Samantha, uh, international football, is that something you enjoy or, or not? I, I enjoy watching Northern Ireland, but England, you know, you hit the nail on the head for me, Steve. Anyone can get a cap. And actually, someone wanted me to bring up a topic for tonight's show, and I, I it was about Darlow for England. And I said, oh. like, I don't, I don't think people are going to receive it very well because I don't support England, and I'm, you know, against it because he's played four games. Um, and it comes back to the the change in the mentality about what it is to play for your country and earning it. That there are people that think, and you know, I'm I'm not criticizing their opinion, but. There is a, a thought process now that four games for a club now means that you could be an international keeper. And I find that staggering. Now, Jordan Pick Pickford is an abomination. Shouldn't even be Everton's number one. Um, Dean Henderson isn't playing. I understand that. But for me, Carl Darlow is not our number one keeper and he will not be number one keeper when Dubravka comes back. You know, there's a lot of, there's a few more games to play between then and now and he may keep up. It's good form, he may not. 
but then people calling for him, even um, pundits and stuff, after four games, saying he should be considered for England. Based on what? I don't get it. Um, and, you know, then that kind of resonates through a lot of the other players. You used to have to earn your stripes up through the England ranks um, or be a really solid performer for a long time to break into the England squad. And it just doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And then they get a whole host of players that can't play together. Um, and, you know, I, I thought Southgate would be different when he took over the team and he, he showed a bit. The football recently has been absolutely dire. Playing defensive midfielders together against lesser teams. Um, so, yeah, my, my thoughts are in the last five years, it's just moved away, especially in England, in being enjoyable. And they have a whole host of great players that another manager or coach can't get to play together. And then you look outside of football, when we're looking at the COVID breaches, that as someone said, there's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money and they won't even look after themselves. You talk about the football party, that's the, um, the birthday party that's being talked about at the minute. Um, you know, they made a choice. They did temperature checks for that party, but they still knew they were breaking the rules. So these are informed decisions that players are making, knowing the impact that it's going to have. And that's the problem. Yeah, especially. But the problem is when you're in that position and you're a, you're a high profile footballer, I'm afraid you're always going to get grassed up by somebody. Yep. If not intentionally, it'll be by a mobile phone picture or something. And, you know, you, you shouldn't take the risk, really. And, and, and that's just the way it is when you're in the public eye. Barry Hogan says, excellent show, girls. I think the women's football, especially internationals, is much better to watch. The passion, the pride in the shirt is amazing. Do you watch it, Sav? No, I don't. I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago. I don't watch it. I feel like I should. I do feel there's a lot of things going around, you know, especially sort of Twitter where people mock it. And I find that, you know, quite unfortunate. Um, but no, for me, I don't watch it. I mean, I I try and sort of dip into some clips, but most of it is just mocking, which I feel is completely wrong. I feel that it should be more equal to men's football. I don't necessarily know if it should be mixed, but, you know, it would be nice to see it. It, does, it just doesn't get the coverage that men's football gets. And, you know, one day maybe we'll be living, you know, in a different sort of, you know, society where it will lift. But... For, for now, I just don't see it happening. Okay, Kendall, big fan of the, the women's game or is something you, you don't really watch? I don't watch club women's football. I do watch international women's football when England are playing. Um, so I, I'm not like a huge investor in women's football. Um, but that's just because I, obviously it's not as Sav says, it's not as... Um, promoted as men's football but I do watch the internationals and I do like watching the internationals I think that unfortunately women's football is a world away from men's football and um, just in terms of I mean don't get us wrong there are several women footballers who are absolutely phenomenal but I just think the all-round sort of um, game is just miles away from the men's luckily I think um, you know the FA made sure that the women's football um was going to be, you know, on the same pay bracket as men's football. I mean, and in a lot of countries um, have followed, obviously. So I, I don't know if it was either Brazil or like the USA who initially started that off. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just a step towards getting women's football, you know, more towards the men's game. But I think it'll be a long time before it is, you know, seen as equal. But I do watch internationals and I do enjoy them. Okay, Samantha? Yeah, I watch bits and pieces. I wouldn't be a massive follower, but the one thing I will say for the Women's League is the football is vastly improved on what it was a couple of years ago. There's better coverage as well. You can't compare the men's and women's game. You just can't. Um, you can't compare apples and oranges. What you can see is there's a little bit more visibility. There are more former women's players as pundits. You know, there was a whole you know noise around i think it's alex morgan usa international that come over and joined spurs massive deal it got mentioned on sky sports news earlier and um, by Ginola, i think so i mean they're trying but people can mock go ahead i mean that's a sign of you as a person if you want to mock the women's game when people are fighting to try and you know make it an enjoyable sport there are people that like it so People want to make a career out of it. 
it's getting more media coverage you know let it happen it's not going to take away from the men's game there is no it's just never going to happen but if people get enjoyment out of it and the media want to say a little bit more about it and some people become pundits just let it happen um better not to comment if you don't have anything good to say um but my my, my point is if you look at the quality and you don't compare it to men's but you compare it to the quality of the women's game a couple of years ago massively improved yeah yeah good points uh well made by all three of you tonight um john b is asking us uh to finish off by uh, giving a marks out of 10 for newcastle united's transfer window this summer sav marks out of 10 um you know what it could have been a lot better i mean luckily we've got a goal scorer i felt that we could have done you know with a couple of three more you know in positions that needed in another striker central midfield and another you know center back but seven maybe you know we could have done more and we peaked in the middle and then just completely dropped off but you know seven okay seven out of ten Kendall, better or worse are you going yeah, mine would probably be six or seven as well because, as Tav says, we did before the season started look like we signed fantastic. I mean, it's been a better window than it has been in a long time with Mike Ashley um, actually spending a bit of money. So, yeah, that's great. But we still haven't strengthened in the areas where we needed to. And, unfortunately, letting people like Lejeune go out on loan when injuries were scarce in the defence anyway was a bad decision. But here we are. Yeah, I think well, if I'm in between six and seven, it'll be six and a half out of ten. OK, Samantha? Yeah, it'd be a five or a six. I mean, you know, when we started the season, it had been good. When we identified there were still issues, we should have done more. Um, we've left far too much with Callum Wilson. And as I said, we're putting Andy Carl's only enough for the bench. And we're going to force Jalinton potentially to play up front when we've seen that he is so much better not playing there. Um, and it is, we're, we're still in the cup as well. So I just, you know, in terms of uh, the forward positions and um, maybe centre-back, we, we just should have done more. Okay, well, I'm going for six out of ten, which means, Gordon Hudspeth, we agree on something. See? <laughs> Time. Times are a-changing, mate. Times are a-changing. Uh, big thanks, as always, to the girls. Big thanks as well to my uh, mates at Darren Baldwin Funerals. Uh, great bunch of lads down there. Local independent family business, 24-hour service. There's the number on the screen there. And acutechshop.co.uk, who have kindly organised some T-shirts. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to get them to uh, the girls at some point as well. But they're, they're going to be able to sell them as well. So I'm going to get some prices through and uh, they are going to knock some T-shirts up. So if people want to buy them, um, I'll be able to sort that out. But uh, I think uh, we're going to get some knocked up for the girls as well. A little freebie for the girls for all the work that they've done. I know there's a few coming for uh, a few of the lads as well. But we'll, uh, we'll sort that out. You will be able to buy the T-shirts. So uh, keep an eye out and uh, I'll be putting some information up on that in due course. And uh, tomorrow... I'm back at six o'clock with Liam Kennedy. We're going to do six till seven, and then we're going to do a quick show seven till eight. We're going to be looking back at the managers that Mike Ashley has had um, mm. at Newcastle United, and we're going to uh, put a, a poll on Facebook, and you can uh, vote for your worst managers at Newcastle United under Mike Ashley, because a lot of that's been on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. People saying Bruce this and Bruce that. Well. Put your money where your mouth is. Get involved tomorrow night. Let's uh, let's have a debate on that with Liam Kennedy. He's going to go through the statistics of each manager, and uh, we're going to uh, see who who people generally feel is the worst manager that Newcastle have had under Ashley. So that should be should be interesting. And a lot of people asking what we're doing at the weekend. Well, twelve thirty on Saturday. We're going to uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. We are still going to do match day live. We're going to watch the Man United game together. The five nil win against Manchester United uh, from half past twelve onwards. Uh, anybody can join in uh, the fun. Obviously, great game to watch and gives us a chance to reminisce about the uh, the entertainers and uh, sit and sit and watch one of the classic games with them. So watch your game on YouTube, listen to us, and we can have a bit of banter about it and use the use the chat as well. But uh, girls, as always, been an absolute pleasure and uh, stay safe. Look forward to having you back on again next Monday. Bye. Thanks,
talking to myself again. But it's